Hey, welcome back to another Ruby Dev Summit interview. I am here with Joe Mazzolotti. Now, I have to say, I lived in Italy for two years, and so whenever I see a name that looks Italian, I get excited. <laughs> I'm like, these are my, uh, well, these are my other people, right? Because I live here in the U.S., but um, I, I love, love, love Italian. So anyway, um, we met at Rails World, and uh, we've had some conversations about Turbo Native, which is kind of your shtick. Um, also been following along on Twitter with your recent blog update where you went from, I thought you had settled on Bridgetown, but it turns out you hadn't. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit yeah. as far as uh, blog engines and things like that. But uh, I'm going to kick it off with the big question, and that is, what is the future of Ruby? Yeah. So I'm biased, right? Like, <laughs> I, I focus, to me, Ruby is, is Rails. And <clears throat> it's because I'm doing so much in Rails these days. And, and Ruby is static site generators to me. And uh -huh. Ruby is the enabler for mobile apps. That's that that's Ruby to me, right? Like interesting. So I've heard uh, the first two in other interviews and in the mobile <laughs> app thing I haven't yet. Yeah. So. so I mean, let's just dive into it, right? Like I do turbo native apps. They're right. they're a way to render your your Rails website inside of a native iOS or Android app, right? So right. you don't have to build your native screens out, you just render your HTML and CSS. It's it's a traditional hybrid app, right? And to me, what, what the future of all of this is, is just making mobile apps easier for Ruby and Rails developers. Like, okay. Right now, with Turbo Native, you got to know a little bit of Swift. You got to know a little bit of Kotlin. Mm -hmm. You got to know how to submit to the App Store. You got to know how to deal with Google Play. You got to know the app review process. Right. Do in-app purchases work. All this like stuff around mobile apps, right? And what I see in the future of all of this is like a package that you can just download and say, boom, iOS app or like Rails new dash dash turbo native. You know, like that's right. the kind of stuff that I see in my five year plan, my 10 year plan for for Ruby and for and for Rails. I, I don't really ever see like Ruby motion coming back and, and writing Ruby that gets translated to Swift or Kotlin. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's like the best place. But well, I still Ruby Motion, it it compiles using the LLVM to native code, just like so. It doesn't compile to Swift or Kotlin, but but yeah, potato potato. Sorry. Yeah, like, but you still got to know the APIs, right? Yeah, like you're, you're writing. That was always the problem I had with Ruby Motion. You write Ruby Motion. You have yeah. to know what a table view delegate is if you want to make a table on iOS. That's and you have true. to know the, the 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 iOS and the Android APIs, which like to me is the harder part than mm -hmm. writing Swift or Kotlin. Yes, Ruby is beautiful and, and Swift and Kotlin are disgusting compared to them. <laughs> but like, but like <laughs> the, the hard part is not the actual language. It's the APIs and and the knowing the platform. And yeah. That's I fair. feel like That's I feel totally like Ruby fair. Motion solved the wrong problem almost. Yeah, because Ruby Motion, I remember when I first tried to learn it. Yeah, what you're saying is it, it was like um, send these specific arguments to this object. Like that was the name yeah. of the method, mm -hmm. and then it was, and then it you know argument one and argument two, and this was before keyword arguments in Ruby. So it was it was yeah, it was really gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like look. If I could write a, a, a iOS app and only ever touch Ruby, like the JavaScript yeah. developers have figured that out somehow. They can write no. the backend 
a front end and a native app and only write JavaScript. I'm not going to talk about what it looks like or how it works or if it works, but on the box, it says they can write JavaScript and do all the platforms, right? Mostly. Mostly, Mostly yes. <laughs> but if if you want something that's not baked into the like the react mm-hmm. native library that does the thing exactly then you're 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 hunkering down writing some swift right? totally yeah and that and that's like that's like the, what i feel is such a big difference between the the react native approach versus a turbo uh-huh. native approach like right. turbo native you're still writing swift you're still writing kotlin you're still in xcode you're still in android studio you do have to know that like minimum amount to kind of be dangerous right okay but 95% of your business logic is staying on your server. You want to add a new feature, mm-hmm. you just add a button to your mobile web screen that goes to the new feature. If all your okay. client is doing is reading the HTML and rendering it, you don't have to build that out three times or two times for like a React mm-hmm. Native app. And I think that that's a big benefit that we have over a React Native approach, especially how nicely it ties in with, with Ruby and how it ties in with Rails. Right. Like, you could slap Turbo on top of a Sinatra app if you wanted to. Uh-huh. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. You right. don't have to use Rails even. It's just Hotwire and, and Turbo. Yeah. So that's what gets me really excited. And, and what I think is still like this big benefit of, of kind of us versus them, you know, the Ruby versus uh-huh. the JavaScript community is yeah. it, I feel like we're 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 got it, we got a slow start and we're not there yet, but we we our trajectory is so much faster than what they are doing. Yeah, and that's, that's true. What I'm, that's what I'm super excited about. So I have a couple of questions, and this yeah. this speaks directly to the future, right? Because, um, you know, you get into well, what can it do, and what can it do, mm-hmm. and right, the the what can't it do is is the trajectory conversation, right? It's yeah. okay. The future of this thing is it can't do this now, but it will, or yeah. it doesn't do this well now, but it will later, mm-hmm. or it it's not performant. But we'll, you know, when it we'll does this it, and yeah. that, and so we'll fix it, right? So it's those kinds of things. So what are the things that you see that Turbo Native doesn't do mm-hmm. that you think we're eventually going to solve in the future? Yeah, great question. I, I think that right now, the barrier to entry is Turbo Native's biggest problem. You, okay. You have to open Xcode and you have to write some Swift or you have to open Android Studio and you have to write some Kotlin. And I don't think that that will ever change. But to get to that point, there's not uh-huh. enough support around getting a Ruby developer or a Rails developer in those IDEs and feeling comfortable. Ah, uh, okay. And I think that that's the biggest thing. And it's also like the biggest or the easiest problem to solve, in my my opinion, uh-huh. because it's it's more content, it's documentation, it's videos, it's getting people comfortable it's not building some elaborate framework so you never have to right. open Xcode. It's just getting people happy using those tools again. And so we're not I mean, going to get a Rails new for it. I think we might get a Rails new, but it might generate an Xcode project. Right. No fair. That's and what I, I was that's asking. Cool. I think that's fine. I think that's a great yeah. first step. Like, why do you have to hit file new Xcode project? Why can't Rails do it for you? Or why can't Ruby do uh-huh. it for you? Or Turbo Native? Right. I think that's like, that's a big next step for us. And as a maintainer of Turbo Native, like it is on our radar and is something we're actively looking at because Ruby developers are scared of compiled languages for, for better or worse. That's fine. Right. I, I'm on a mission to make that more approachable for these developers, for, for, for us. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Rails first developers, the Ruby first developers, 
Let's make them comfortable. Let's make us comfortable with these languages. And yeah. that's once we get there, so many doors open. Because now so, we don't have to, yeah. now we don't have to worry about like doing everything on the server. We can write some Strata components that make some beautiful uh -huh. native components on Swift and Kotlin. And like here, here's a you know stratacomponents.com and you can download one into your app like you would a stimulus controller and now doors are just like flying Ooh, open. That's sexy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, and and I think that speaks to some of the other things that I've been looking at because, um, you know, top end devs, um, you know, we're, we're delivering the summit over top end devs. Now we're starting to deliver videos over top end devs and things like that. And so, yeah, I'm looking at it. I'm going, yeah, but I want people to be able to do these things that, yeah, typically you would do on a native app. Yeah. Like, um, I want an offline mode for my app, right. right? I want people to be able to say, you know what, I'm getting on an airplane and I'm going to wind up with, you know, my phone in front of me. And I'd like to watch these three, uh, Ruby clips videos or, or rails clips videos. Right. And say, yeah. Hey, you know, and so, but you can't do that off the wet. Well, I guess depend, you, you can kind of fudge some of it, but it's not straightforward and it's gross. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that's where I'm looking at, okay, is it Strata? Is it, you know, but, but some of these other capabilities where, you know, I can get an offline mode with cached data and cached assets and, and make it run. Yep. And is that, how much of that does Turbo Native do now? And how much of it are we looking at in the future? Right now, zero. It does no right. offline access support at all. If you want to do right. something like that, there's a, there are multiple threads on the repos of like some crazy elaborate things all the way on one end of the spectrum of running an HTTP server inside the iOS app, <laughs> which is, which is actually <laughs> That's what, what RoboMobile used to do. It's what Basecamp used to do too, until they figured yeah. it out, you know, in the Basecamp app used to run a server um, yep. to route different so on Android. The situation, the, the story is a little bit better, but what's what's coming is these PWA enhancements, right? The PWA stuff that's going to now be defaulted to on in rails mm -hmm. eight. There's some, some tracking on that on, on GitHub as well. Yeah, Those, David said that was coming on Twitter. Yep, yep. And there's an issue where people are, you know, bike shedding <laughs> as much <laughs> as they want there. Uh, but what's exciting about that is that anything that affects the Rails PWA is going to work on Turbo Native. Right. So all of a sudden you have an offline form that yeah, it does a lot data that, to your service it? worker. You just get it for Turbo Native for free. So you're you're mm -hmm. like you're doubling up on your 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 impact with the same amount of effort there with PWAs, which right. is what I really love about the future of of that and like how turbo native just gets that kind of for free as, as rails improves and as PWAs right. improve. Yeah. So interesting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's also interesting. Cause you know, I've talked to people, I talked to Amir who did rag, who's done doing dragon Ruby, right? He incidentally owns Ruby motion, but yeah, I asked him, I was like, so what's the story on Ruby motion? And I got this long rant in my email, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know, and then, yeah, there are other places where you're starting to see it show up, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's like, okay, well, Ruby's going to move into this area. Move, Ruby's doing interesting things in this area, right? One yeah. of them that keeps coming up is AI, right? And it's like, how do, how do we AI with Ruby, right? Yeah. And everybody has a different take on it. But mm -hmm. it's it, it, what's interesting to bring it back to Turbo Native is that some of it is kind of what you would expect as far as we're going to use Ruby to manage a data pipeline for AI, right? We're kind of like Ruby motion was we're going to directly write mm. an application that runs on the phone. And yeah. then some of it's kind of end runs around the stuff like turbo native, right? Where it's like, you don't have to write the entire app to run on the phone the way that yeah. you would think 
we're going to do it this other way. And I'm, I'm finding that in so many places and it's, it's really, really fascinating. So yeah, I, I love this about, about the whole turbo native thing. I have another question about turbo native yeah. though. And that is we're talking about mobile, right? So I know turbo native will work on my phone, yeah. but uh, what about my Apple TV or my fire stick TV or any of those kinds of devices? My mm-hmm. echo maybe even will run apps one day. Yeah, so the requirement is that it needs to have a web browser. Right. A built-in web browser, WebKit, essentially. And, and Apple TV does not have one of those. Oh, really? So, so well, it kind of does, but it doesn't have, you don't have sure access to it. I'm pretty sure I can browse it. web pages on the... You can as, an, as their own kind of like app. You oh, don't have access okay. to like WebKit, so to speak. So to build a, a, an Apple TV app is actually really interesting. You, you, you just kind of give it XML. <laughs> like uh-huh. Apple TV apps used to be this weird thing where you would just like give it XML and it would like browse kind of like a CarPlay app that mm-hmm. has now evolved and changed. But you still have to do things mostly natively for for Apple for Apple TV apps. OK, um, so I don't see Turbo Native coming there anytime soon unless that okay. that that landscape changes dra- drastically for something like uh, Roku or um, like Fire Stick. Right. I don't know. I've never developed for those platforms. But in theory, if they have a web browser, if they have access to um, some sort of WebKit rendering engine, there's nothing right. that's stopping someone from writing an adapter for those platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Turbo Native Android, we have Turbo Native iOS. Is there a Turbo Native gotcha. Fire Stick? Yeah. As long as we can write the adapter layer to translate the web clicks to the native transitions, then yeah, we can do that. But I also feel like a big part of Turbo Native is like dropping down to that native stuff. Mm-hmm. And on a Fire Stick, you might just want to be a website. <laughs> like you might just want to package a website, right? Um, so again, I've never developed for those platforms. I can't say for sure. Right. I, I I would have to really get in there and see. But um, as long as they have a WebKit type en- rendering engine, it in theory should be possible. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that's that's kind of my dream is I want top end devs on those other platforms. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. thinking, you know, that the ease of adoption with Turbo Native. Yeah, it, it just seems like a good way to go. But yeah, if it doesn't work on the Apple TV, then maybe yeah, maybe yeah, I'll yeah. find another way there. Um, I, Are there any other things coming that Turbo Native is going to change the way that we think about how or where our apps run? Yeah. There are. Um, I can talk about some things and I can't talk about other things. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, what I can talk about is that it's very obvious that we're lacking documentation around TurboNative. Uh-huh. The TurboNative documentation is literally one page for iOS and one page for Android. And then there's oh, like man. docs buried in GitHub. And that's not uh-huh. okay. So that's going to change soon. We're, we're We're looking at a brand new kind of revamp of how we do the documentation how uh-huh. we communicate with developers on that there's also confusion right now around like what is turbo native versus strata like traditionally uh-huh. strata is to integrate these native components with your web right and it uses a different stack and you can use it without turbo native but you really don't really want to so there's confusion around that and again it's a it's a messaging thing it's a marketing thing it's a positioning mm-hmm. thing we're working on making that more clear as to when you would use one or the other or both okay. and, and making it easier to use them together. 
because right now it's like follow this six step tutorial to get them working together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why, why don't they just work out of the box? So right. stuff like that is coming, uh, is coming where you can get started with a, with a solid baseline, just like way easier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I'm really excited about. Cool. So documentation. It's kind of like the Rails Foundation yeah. mission, right? Like documentation, yep. getting started guides, and just like yeah. zero, the zero to one story. You know, uh -huh. how do we get from essentially typing in Rails new to running your app? How do we, right. what's what's the equivalent to Turbo Native new? Yep. Yeah, I had a, uh, I did an interview with Amanda Perino and we talked all about all the things that the foundation is doing, which is cool. Awesome. Uh, so besides documentation, are there other things or? Yeah, feature wise, I think that we're, we're at a plat, not a plateau, but we're at a point feature wise where you can do so much with Turbo Native uh -huh. and, the, and the, the possibilities are wide open, but there aren't standards or best practices or even like tutorials on how to do it. Right. right. Outside of me and maybe a handful of other people, no one's really writing about Turbo Native or recording videos on it. Right. And and that makes it seem like you can't do much, <laughs> even mm -hmm. though there's so many possibilities. So. Again, that's like part of the goal right here is to is to talk more about it, get more folks involved, actually get some examples up. Like I have um is it I have the Rails devs like open source website, but I also have this this app called Daily mm -hmm. Log. And it's a Rails and iOS and upcoming Android website and and Turbo Native app that's fully open source. Okay. So you can like poke around that if you've never done, you know, turbo native development, you can check out the like 300 line Swift Xcode project that creates the turbo native app to work with this website. And things like that are where I'm trying to push the, you know, like mm -hmm. move the needle in, hey, it's not that hard. Like it's still approachable. You need to know some Swift, you need to know some Kotlin, but it's not this mystery box of right. crazy native development there. Uh, feature wise though, uh, Turbo 8, which I think was released like two days ago, yeah, is um is is creating some really interesting both problems and enhancements for Turbo Native, both in mm -hmm. like the the morphing space, right? So Turbo Native is is figuring that out still, like how to best handle that in a native context. But it's only good things for Turbo Native because, like, mm -hmm. worst case, you can just you know disable it and not use the features. So. Right. I think that that's going to be a big improvement, even if like Turbo Native development doesn't change much. It's just making your Rails app and your Hotwire app that much better. That then again, right. it trickles down. It all trickles down to Turbo Native. Right. Cool. Well, you mentioned that Ruby for you is basically Rails and yeah. static site generators. Um, is there anything you wanted to bring up about Rails itself? Or should we just veer into the static site generator stuff? Rails itself. Uh, I am really excited right now for what the community, I guess, really has it. Was it only DHH? What DHH posted on GitHub maybe a month ago right. now about the future of Rails 8 and all mm -hmm. the kind of issues that we're tracking. A, I'm super excited that it's just public, like that we're talking right. about that stuff outside of pull requests. And it got a lot of yeah. attention and there's a lot of people in there bike shedding, which I think is good conversation, even if it's a little distracting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second part is that I'm I'm excited of what the features are. Yeah. Having an answer for notifications that's built into the system, whether uh -huh. they use, you know, a gem like Noticed or they roll their right. own whatever, 
having that in the system and being able to hook into that for push notifications, a notoriously uh-huh. difficult problem to solve. Right. Very exciting for me. And the progressive web app stuff, again, all that stuff trickles down yeah. to Turbo Native. So yep. love it. Love it. Love that it's happening in public. Love that people are having this conversation and love that DHH talked about it first, which means it's yeah. going to happen. You know, yeah. like, um, and then the authentication stuff is icing on the cake for me to have. To, I love Devise. I've used it for years. But if I could have my own authentication that's either built into Rails mm-hmm. directly or I manage myself, I'd be all the happier. And it seems like that is the finally the direction that Rails is going to take. And that makes me that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, Dave Kimura, who's one of my mm-hmm. co-hosts on Ruby Rogues, he's he put out ActiveAuth. And basically, it just does a Rails generate and just yep. sticks that stuff in. Which, yeah, I mean, it's if if I'm a developer, that's more or less what I want, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, device runs under a Rails engine and it does a bunch of extra stuff for you. Totally. But it's kind of this opaque system. And so, yeah, using the Rails native stuff and then, um, yeah, kind of setting it up so I can take it where I want it. I like that. Totally. Yeah, I, w- I was pairing with someone yesterday on, on their Turbo Native app and to do some manipulation to the tab bar at the bottom, we wanted to know when the user was signed in or signed out mm-hmm. and they were using device. So right. if they were using like rolled their own off on the you know sessions controller or whatever, we'd have a method that said like, if turbo native app, do this thing, otherwise do this other thing. Right. But instead we had to open up the device config and set a custom failure app with the word no middleware. And, and I'm like, this is so it worked right but it's right. so abstract because device right. has been so like layered on over the years for, uh-huh. for better for better for a lot of developers but also for worse we need to get in there yeah and it was like i'm not gonna remember what the hell this thing does in two right. weeks yep. what the hell is a failure app right like what is <laughs> what is, what am i why am i returning turbo native app or super inside of http auth method like what the hell right. does that actually mean you know so yep. we have like three lines of comments which really would be in the sessions controller something that's way more obvious and and right. and that kind of stuff is just the tip of the iceberg with with getting your own type of auth in your app i think right yep makes sense all right well let's let's talk about static site generators so you went down this road yeah. right you what were what were you on initially so the long story is that I started on Jekyll okay. way back when, um, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I think when I launched yeah. my blog, it was Jekyll. And... It's been around for a long time and it's awesome. Thanks. Appreciate that. Are you talking about my blog or Jekyll? Jekyll, but <laughs> Jekyll. Your, your blog's awesome. Too. I haven't read your blog. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jekyll's been around for a super long time. Um, I've seen it go through the, the awkward teenage years, I feel. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's now finally kind of coming back to being useful again. So I started with Jekyll way back when and got really excited about view components about yeah. a year ago. I was like, I because I, I I was converting I my use site. almost exclusively in my Rails apps. Nice. Like yeah, every, everything is view components. You go into my views and it's like component, component, component. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's what I wanted to do, especially because I was inspired by um, I'm using I'm using a Tailwind UI template for uh-huh. my blog. Right. And yep. So so am I for my okay. website. There you go. And it's all written in React. So yeah. to translate that from those React components made really sense, a lot of sense in my mind to uh-huh. translate them to view components for uh, a Rails or a, or a, or a, um, a static website. Yep. So I was like, I cool, view component. Too. Jekyll doesn't work with view component because Jekyll, really? doesn't work with, Jekyll doesn't work with ERB. Jekyll only has liquid templating. 
Oh, interesting. And this remember, this was like 14 months ago when I started this. So if Uh things have changed, if there's a plugin, cool. But at that time, Jekyll could not work with view component. Okay. So I migrated everything to Bridgetown. Spent like two months migrating it. I worked with Jared. Jared's local in Portland. Great guy. Love hanging Mm -hmm. out with him. Um, One of the maintainers. Got some help from Ayush, who's also one of the maintainers. Did Mm -hmm. a lot of work getting it working and had it live for like nine months, I think. Almost a year. And then every time I wanted to write a blog post, there was like another thing I had to remember. There was like... Something dynamic about Bridgetown that was pulling in an asset or was compiling mm, weird. And, okay. And eventually my build times became like five seconds. Mm, which like okay. okay, whatever, five seconds. But if you're doing design updates and you want to change a background color from, you know, right. BG Green five hundred to BG Green six hundred and you hit save and you have to wait five seconds for it to load, uh-huh. You your your productivity is just shot. Right. So I had all these hacks in trying to like speed up the build time, disable the site generator, do all of these things, disable validation, just could not get my build times fast enough. And uh, went back to Jekyll after trying a number of other resources, another another number of uh, site generators, including mm-hmm. uh, I tried SitePress. Really like what Brad's doing with SitePress, but it was a little too close to the metal it's just meant for static sites not for blogs right. so i had a lot i had a lot of code that i was writing to uh-huh. maintain a blog which i didn't love um i tried a rails app which was fun uh-huh. but i also then had to deal with like putting it behind a cdn so things would be cached and fast enough right. and all that stuff and just like didn't want to deal with running a Rails server somewhere um i tried middleman which the blog, the middleman plugin for the blogging plugin for middleman hadn't been updated in seven years which oh wow Felt a little scary. Uh And Jekyll, I think whatever the latest release was, had been released a few days earlier. And I was like, you know what? I'm going back to Jekyll. I'm just going to go back to Jekyll. So So, ripped everything out, ripped all my view components out, did everything with liquid partials and templates. And the code is like a third of the size. It's way easier to reason about, but it's Uh way less flexible. I can no longer right. say that this is a button primary or button secondary. <laughs> you know, I have to oh, actually no. have two different button components or whatever. And Ugh. and those are trade-offs that I'm like happy to make because writing is fast now. Writing right. and publishing is fast, which is the number one goal. I was getting way too down in the weeds with just stuff that didn't matter. Right. So Interesting. that's my long story. <laughs> so where where do you think things are headed then? Because... Yeah, Where I mean, I I'm always interested in the future. Yeah. Do, yeah, do we get a Jekyll plus ERB plus view components? or what? I think that Bridgetown is great for the problem it solves. It is a modern static right. site generator. You can use your, your view components. You can use Flex. You can use all uh-huh. this fun stuff that you want to. For me, it was, it was too far that way. Right. It was too far in that direction. Jekyll is still a little too far in the other direction of like too simple, uh-huh. no plugins. And I think that that is being held back by the fact that it has to work with GitHub pages. Because GitHub pages oh, has a whole layer of complexity around security and making sure uh-huh. things work. And you can't actually execute Ruby code. And of course, you can break out of that if you don't run on GitHub pages. But it ties GitHub, uh, Jekyll core to kind of a boring subset of what can possibly be right. done. What I want to see is like Jekyll made for non-GitHub pages. 
where it uh-huh. can do ERB, where it can do like I can't even read from the an environment variable. I can't even have like a dev versus production environment type thing in Jekyll. Like right. these little things that you kind of expect with, with the, that Bridgetown uh-huh. does that modern tech stacks do. Jekyll is so is very far behind because it's not supported on right GitHub pages. So I want like I don't want Jekyll plus plus. That's that's Bridgetown. I want like Jekyll plus point oh one. <laughs> you know, I want like this a little bit of improvement to it. Right. To make it just a little bit easier to work with these kind of standard things these days. Right. Very interesting. Do you see anybody doing that or honestly just- I'm not looking. I, yeah. I've spent so much time over the past year rewriting this blog in so many different platforms and getting like really right. far with some, like I was very close to deploying my site press site. And mm-hmm. then I took a look at the code and was like, if anything breaks, I'm responsible. Yeah. And so I just like, I don't want to yeah. mess around with it anymore. It works. It looks good. Mm-hmm. I have a, a routine down. If I need to, you know, I, I sell a workshop every month or so where I do live right. turbo native stuff. I have to make a commit. I have to say the workshop's date is this, and I edit mm-hmm. the YAML file to say it's available. And in three seconds, the website shows a link to Stripe checkout. Right. That's fine. I don't need a config mm-hmm. page, you know, to, right. to to do this and have it pull in through some something dynamic. Those are the trade offs that I'm making right now. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I so uh, just to give a little bit of history on top end devs. Yeah, um, I mean, I rebranded it to top end devs, and you know, before that, it was devchat.tv. Um, so I went through a whole bunch of this. So initially when we started the shows, they were all on their own WordPress setups. Right. And then, um, I got tired of managing at one point I had five or six shows that were all on their own WordPress. And so I had, I was maintaining five WordPress setups and WordPress does a lot of things for you, but Mm -hmm. it does a lot of things to you too. And you really have to stay on top of it. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, how can I get all this together? So I built the custom rails app and I was still kind of green. And so I made a lot of mistakes on that and it turned into this maintenance nightmare. Yeah. So then I went from that to, uh, I went back to WordPress and I basically wound up writing my own plugins for WordPress. Yeah. You go. Yeah. Which, you know, initially it was like, Oh, this is fun. I'm learning new stuff. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. My life is getting taken over by this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I moved it to 11D and 11D is a JavaScript mm-hmm. static site generator. And yeah, again, initially, you know, simple, just put stuff together. But I found myself having to code a whole bunch of extra stuff against it to yeah. make it work. And so eventually I was like, if I have to code against it, I'm coding against it in Ruby. There you and go. so I brought it back to Rails. And so now it's a Rails app. But um, I have dreamed sometimes of having it all live in a simple static site generated app because they're fast and the seo is easy and a whole bunch of other things um but you know and i have some custom needs now i'd love Mm -hmm. to know how you have a a stripe set up in your um in your jekyll site because that's uh, part of the deal and then just membership stuff is the other piece that i've been building around my Rails stuff but yeah membership i i haven't i don't have a good solution for that with uh with a static site generator but right. for Stripe, a Stripe checkout link copy pasted from. Stripe. Oh, fair enough. I just I create a new Stripe checkout link every month, every time I run the workshop, and I put that in my a YAML file, and then when it mm-hmm. deploys, it links to that page, and I don't manage Stripe at all. I have in the Stripe checkout, I collect their GitHub username 
and their email and their email address, of course, mm-hmm. and their uh, Discord username. And then okay. this is fun. Stripe checkout then sends a webhook to button down my newsletter subscriber, my newsletter managing list. Oh, okay. That has an automation that invites that GitHub username to the code needed for the workshop, sends them uh, a welcome email with this new Zoom link, you know, to the workshop in a few days, uh-huh. and then also invites them to uh, to Discord. Oh, Very cool. <laughs> um, that's been super helpful in just like automating that whole process, but I don't have to manage any of the code. Nice. It's all done in button down. Yep. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I might have to pick your brain about some of that off the call, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm really liking this. So, yeah, and I'd also love to just see your list of things that it's like. I wish Jekyll did these things, right? And yeah. see if we can pull together maybe an open source. You know, I don't know what you would call it. I'm sure Hyde is taken, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. That, I think Hyde was actually the name of the first theme I ever used for, for Jekyll. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, I feel like well, Jekyll... Well, and Hyde is the wild side, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Jekyll... There's probably a plugin or a, whatever, a gem, uh-huh. you know, that could add on all the things that I want for Jekyll. Right. It probably exists out there. The problem is that it's not like first party... And uh-huh. you get the problem that I had with the with the blogging plugin for middleman that's been hasn't been updated in seven years. Uh-huh. And it's like if I'm going to depend on something that that's that out of date, right? I'd rather manage then then I'd rather manage it myself, right? You know, I don't want to have to deal with like a fork of a gem or something that I don't know any of the code. So it's this weird balance right. where I want it to be first party, but it's never going to happen. So is there like a first a new first party solution? And yes, like this is actually how Bridgetown started. Bridgetown is a yep. fork of Jekyll. Like yes. I'm sure Jared had the same conversation with someone and then forked Bridgetown that night, right? Or yep. forked Jekyll that night. So I I, I I don't fail to see the irony in what I'm ex- explaining right, right here. Uh, I just think that for me, for my particular needs of just a blog with a link to Stripe checkout, Bridgetown is just too much. Right. That's that's how I feel about it. I love I love using Bridgetown, but it was too much for my needs. Very cool. All right. So the last question I have for you is if people want to connect, see what workshops you're doing, see if you decide that that maybe you're going to take another run at Bridgetown or something, where do they find <laughs> all your stuff? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter uh, at Joe Mazzalotti and I'm on Mazzalotti.com. I post all my my newsletter, uh, Maz- weekly newsletter on Turbo Native is uh-huh. on that website. Uh, blog posts every couple of weeks. I post announcements for my workshops there on the website. And it's probably the best way to st- keep up to date with all that stuff is is through there. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming. This was very, very fun. Yeah, I had a good time. It's fun to chat about. Uh, I haven't actually talked about the whole Jekyll thing in a long time. Like I, I, uh-huh. I wanted to write a blog. I have a blog post that's drafted. and I never actually got to publishing it. So it's nice to actually, uh, you know, yeah. air these grievances again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, the rest of you, max out.